What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, animals. Or should I say, doctor animals. Animals who are their own doctors, healing themselves with medicine found in nature. From spas crawling with ants to chimpanzee pharmacology, we're learning that a millipede a day can keep the doctor away. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, should you replace your doctor with a spider? Mm. Joining me today is friend of the show, co-host of Ethnically Ambiguous and producer at iHeartRadio, Anna Hosney. Welcome back. Wow, thank you so much for having me. I am an animal and a doctor. It's true. <laughs> I I know it. Yeah. I once had a broken arm and Anna just kind of bit it a bit and it actually worked. It's, I mean, it's, it's still true. broken, but I'm sure it did something. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I I really, um, I used my web. <laughs> yeah. The web that comes out of my butt, and I yeah. stitched you right up or wrapped you right up. Yeah. <laughs> I like <laughs> the idea. As we know, the web does come out yes, of the butt. Yes, It actually comes from a specific web-producing gland called a spinneret. Mm. But, you know, we could just say butt, <laughs> and who's going to... Who's going to stop us? The spider police? Oh, God, I hope not. Mm, mm, mm. Can you imagine? No, I refuse to imagine. (laughs) I refuse to imagine being arrested by the spider police. I will not have it. (laughs) Imagine how many handcuffs you'd need, though, for a spider perp. Just like, all right, put your hands behind your back. And those hands, too. And also those hands. And also those hands. (laughs) And those hands, too. Yeah. I mean, I think um, you, you might... Do better with just a like a lasso type 
sort of like wrap them all up over their head because bolo or like an overturned glass and a piece of cardboard oh yeah that's probably how spider cops do it like put them under a piece of glass and put like newspaper stiff stiff paper under it and then put them outside which is spider jail outside is spider jail yeah you're right the outside world is their jail they live in a perpetual (laughs) jail until they can get into our homes and be safely transported out right exactly well, uh, spider justice system aside, we are talking about animals today who are their own doctors. There, We may think that as humans, we have a monopoly on medicine and being smart and treating ourselves with pharmacology and medicine. And actually, it turns out that no. We are not unique in this manner. In fact, animals have come up with many ways to help treat themselves to some medicine. And it can be very interesting and counterintuitive. So first, we are going to talk about a behavior known as anting. Are your kids doing anting? Do you know? Have you seen your kids? Have you talked to your kids about anting? Yes. Just joking. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> is this when a group of ants get together and cause a ruckus? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's actually called like an an antarama. Uh, but anting is actually the behavior of rubbing ants all over your body, and it's a huge trend on TikTok. I I don't actually know. I don't own a TikTok, so I assume though. I just assume. That anything that has any, like any kind of action you could take is a trend on TikTok. So rubbing ants all over your body, probably a TikTok trend, I assume. Wow. You know, um, you're probably right. I do own a TikTok, but I have not um, scrolled to the like point of no return where people are rubbing ants on them. It's there. You should start it then. Yeah, you you should do it. You'll get, you'll, yeah, you'll get a lot of ticks is that how tiktok works yeah uh it's interesting tiktok get talked a lot it starts to learn what you like very quickly it's very Mm. intelligent if you will we should all be scared yeah yeah i don't tend to stay on like animal or well sure pet i do but like animal like further insect related content so it could potentially take me almost a year to get to like people covering themselves in ants i mean I think I could probably get there much oh, quicker. I should... You would get there probably in the first swipe. They'll be like, this lady? Yeah. My my For Me page will just be covered with ants, and that's how I like it. So anting is a behavior done by a variety of animals, but especially birds, those freaks. Oh. So certain species of birds engage in anting, so rubbing ants all over their feathers and skin they will sometimes pick them up with their beaks and rub like an individual ant over a feather. Or sometimes they roll around and let them walk all over their wings if they really just want to get the full ant experience. So are they just freaks? Like, do they just like to do this? Because, you know, it's a it's a it's a TikTok trend for birds. No. So it is wildly popular among birds. It's thought that over 200 species of birds engage in anting, which is astounding. Wow. So s- something is clearly going on. Wow. I Now I'm starting to be like, okay, if that many birds are up to anting, have I ever witnessed this or is this kind of like a private thing they do? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's only found in private bird lounges. And if you're not a VIA, very important avian, you are not allowed behind the velvet rope for anting. Uh, no, I mean, if you've ever seen a bird preening or a bird rolling around in the dirt, you may have witnessed a bird engaging in anting. Okay. So the theory is that ants release formic acid, which may act as a natural anti-mite, antibacterial ointment that perhaps helps rid the birds of topical parasites or even fungal infections. So there's another theory, though, that the act of anting is actually to prepare the ants for being eaten. So by rubbing them all over their feathers, they encourage the ants to release that formic acid, and that makes them edible. Because if you want to eat an ant and it's full of formic acid, that's, you know, it's not great. It's, it's not a great taste. So it is not exactly completely understood which of these theories are correct, but here is the forms of anting that birds do. So it can range from passive anting, where birds will roll around in an anthill, Oof. or active anting, where a bird carefully picks up a single ant with its beak and rubs it along a feather. So the birds can be extremely particular, only using one ant per feather. And some species of birds are impatient and will grab like a big bundle of ants all at once and rub them into their feathers like a big glob of writhing sunscreen. Ooh. So it, yeah, it, it is such a, such a common behavior and such an interesting behavior among birds that it must serve some kind of important purpose for them. Even if that purpose is just fun, there's a theory that anting is just for stimulation. Oh, personally, I I think like just like hey, this is a fun like massage. You know, it's it's fun to be covered in ants. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but no, no, you know. no, no. That seems like a literal nightmare. <laughs> I don't think I, that's something I could get into for stimulation or any other reason. I mean, you know, but like if you got if you got them on your back, it's like a T billion little tiny masseuses all, you know, working out those knots in your muscles with their mandibles. No? Am I not selling this? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Katie. I don't, don't, I don't <laughs> think I'll ever come around on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could probably sell this to a bird, though, because they love it. So mm -hmm. uh, the... The the anting my my feeling on this from what I've read is it seems like it is a combination of both the birds getting the food, being able to basically make these ants edible by making them excrete their formic acid, and in addition the uh, added perk of the hygiene. So I think it's both. I think they are they have found a system that gives them both a good scrub down. And gives them a good snack, which is like being able, like using sort of a sugar scrub exfoliant and then eating it, which mm. in some sense kind of sounds disgusting, but in another sense, efficient. I am actually, you know what? God, if I ever found myself eating an exfoliant scrub, I guess I'm not that above it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. 
I'm just not going to lie, so I'm not yeah. going to say anything. Yeah. If you've never been, you know how they like put those cucumber slices mm-hmm. on your eyeballs in a spa? I've never been to a spa where they put cucumber slices on your face, which seems like I should at some point. Seems like that's what you're supposed to do to treat yourself, but I would be tempted to eat them. Cucumbers are delicious. That feels like a, like a pop culture trope in movies. Like when women or men are at spas, they always take it off and go like, "What's the Ouch. cucumber supposed to do?" Right? Like on your eyes? Um, does it make you see better? Well, I mean, I'm assuming I'm actually literally googling it. Why put cucumbers on your <laughs> eyes? It to soothe and reduce it? puffiness and dark circles on the skin, huh? Mm. Why cucumbers, though? When cucumbers... There's some kind of like... It says when they become dry, cucumbers can offer a hydrating effect, reducing dryness and redness. Seems like you could use any moist vegetable then, right? I don't know why, but cucumbers seem like they're like a miracle veggie. Mm. Because isn't it when they get pickled, they become a pickle? That is true. They do become pickles when they get pickled. That 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 is, but I assume you can't put pickles on your eyes because that seems like that would be burn. Yeah, and yeah, be bad for the eyeballs. Well, in that case, so, you just eat them because they're yummy. Right. Yeah. Well, personally, I don't want to put vegetables on my eyes. That's a personal preference. How, however, birds do like to double dip in terms of using the exfoliating ants as food, and vice versa. Potentially, this is this is the theory I think is most uh, most likely because it seems like if you wanted to just eat the ants, you wouldn't roll around in an ant hill. Right. Um, and there, they have been recorded eating these ants as well, so we know they do eat them after they engage in anting. So I think it is probably a combination. There is also a theory that this formic acid that the ants kind of excrete, like little tiny tubes of toothpaste actually also works as a shampoo for the birds. It might help them cleanse old oil on their wings and help it be replaced with new oil, just like when you shampoo your hair. Right. I kind of... Which I... Interesting. Yeah, I don't... I'm not saying put a bunch of ants in your hair. That is not but what I'm saying. But are you legally, not saying that? I don't know. I'm not not saying it, but legally speaking, I'm not saying it. Okay. But I'm also legally speaking not not saying it. Uh-huh. The point is it's your scalp and your choice with respect to ants. My choice, my scalp. <laughs> um, right, exactly. Your so, ants, your scalp. Is that why birds are so moisturized looking? Mm, that they have such a healthy sheen? Maybe. Yeah, because they're just rubbing. They got maybe, the ant on them. Yeah, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's a bunch of ants. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's a bunch of ants. Oh, my God. You're yeah. on to something here, Katie. <laughs> Do you think, is there ant shampoo already if they're so moisturizing? I'll look it up. Don't worry. You know what? I <laughs> Thank you. You know, I was in a beauty store to enhance my beauty, and there was a shampoo or some kind of thing that had, like, goat placenta in it. I'm going to say, so I've also seen, and I, I did not buy that one. Mm-hmm. I have also seen snail slime oh, I've seen moisturizer. That. I did try that. Uh, it was, I guess, moisturizing. Uh, I didn't think it was more moisturizing than just lotion. But 
the point is I wouldn't be terribly surprised if there was some kind of like ant scrub. I'm not out seeing there. it when I look it up. I I hesitate to even give the cosmetic industry this idea because you know they're going to start getting ants involved in their schemes to make everyone feel insecure like they have to buy a bunch of cosmetic products. It's like, hey, you think you're pretty? No, you got to put ants on your face now. That's the trend. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it. I do see a lot of people mm. complaining that ants got to their sugar scrubs, but uh, in their baths. But well, other than that, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna put sugar out there, ants are gonna get to it. It's just it's the law. It's the law. It's the law. It's yeah. the law. It's the law. So, <laughs> right. So birds don't just rub ants all over themselves. The little weirdos. They also rub things like. Uh, millipedes, or they can even use man-made things that have a toxin in them, like mothballs or even cigarette butts, which seems to indicate to me that they are definitely trying to do some kind of grooming. Now, obviously, cigarette butts are not ideal, nor are mothballs, but they are both somewhat toxic to mites, other parasites, uh, fungus. So it seems like the birds are engaging in a behavior where they are doing some form of grooming. Now, I don't know if the birds do eat the cigarette butts after they wipe themselves down with it, but I certainly hope not because that would be bad for their health. Why the cigarette butts? Now, I don't know too much about cigarettes because I'm a good girl and I don't uh-huh. smoke because uh-huh. <laughs> I listened in elementary school and they told me just say no. Yeah. So I don't really know what chemical is in cigarettes that would be bad for the for the topical mites or fungus, but I'm assuming they're generally toxic. They have, I mean, the ash might help as well because it's a desiccant. It's very dry. Uh, actually, I think originally soap is like fat mixed with ash can form a a soap, a sort of acidic scrub. So I, I could see how cigarette ash might actually be that's mixed in with the bird's oils and its feathers. It may create some kind of like more or sorry, not acidic, I think a basic scrub. Right. And so that may have some kind of shampooing effect. Again, legally speaking, morally speaking, I'm not saying you should rub yourself down with cigarette butts. Actually, don't do that. And I don't think birds should do it either. It's just that when we put a bunch of garbage in the world, birds are going to try to use that garbage. It's, you know, it's how it is. Question. Is a part of it also that it helps add a kind of a smell that could potentially throw off a predator's scent? I mean, that's an interesting idea. Birds don't have a great sense of smell. Okay. But, I mean, certainly predators of birds do. So things like, uh, I mean, anything from domestic cats to, you know, snakes probably do have, I mean, snakes have a chemosensory organ uh, that they can, uh, and that's why they flick out their tongues but birds don't have a great sense of smell, so I'm not sure if the birds would like be able to sniff out whether that thing would help them get rid of a smell. But it could be, right? Like it could be that 
by rubbing themselves down with something it could throw off or deter predators. I, I haven't actually seen that theory, but it's not a bad idea. I feel like I've I've heard that somewhere, probably your show about something. I don't know. Isn't that what they do? Like <laughs> if there's certain like, I don't actually don't. I just don't really know where I got that from. But I feel like isn't that like dogs or cats will like rub themselves on weird shit for that reason? That's true. Yeah, cats will, I mean, scenting, like rolling around in certain scents is very common with uh, with dogs. And cats will certainly like mark you with their scent, you know, when they like yeah. rub up against you. They are they are marking you as their property. And so, yeah, no, it's 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 birds kind of live less of a nasal life than, say, a dog. A dog lives a very smell, smelly life. A lot of their cognition is based on smells, whereas with birds, not so much. It's more based on vision or hearing. But that's not to say that they couldn't sort of chance into like, hey, we got to when we do this, maybe they they have an association of maybe they're by changing their odor using sort of some uh, part of their environment that could deter predators. But that's also actually a reason what you you may have heard like you shouldn't touch a baby bird because if you get your smell on it, the right. mother's going to reject it. That's absolutely not true. You su- you shouldn't touch a fledgling. Because if you see a bird that has a good amount of feathers on it, but it's kind of like it looks sort of like a baby, but it it's fully feathered, that means it's a fledgling. It's po- probably just learning how to fly. But if you see a nestling where it's, you know, those like very awkward looking nude little birds without many feathers, you can pick it up. And if you pick it up and put it back in its nest, that's perfectly fine. Just wash your hands afterwards. Yeah, I've heard so much of if you touch this animal, its family will abandon it and you will have become a person who has created orphans within the animal (laughs) kingdom and you are a bad person. So how could you, that little baby bird and or animal now have to survive on its own and you've ruined its (laughs) life? (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about that. Generally speaking, animals will not abandon their young just based on like catching a whiff of human on them. I mean, there. I think like some of the myth may come from a misunderstanding of what's happening. Sometimes people will find like a a baby bird and they will put it back in the nest and then it'll fall out again. And they think, oh, that's because its mother is rejecting it because I touched it. And it's like, no, it could be that its sibling is pushing it out, which happens with some bird species. It could be that it's there's something wrong with it. Um, so yeah, but it's not your smell. You you being smelly is not causing the problem this time. So question. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm curious where that started, like the whole they'll abandon you. And does that mean that the fact that it's not true that animals are more loving of their children than it appears? So with birds, it's certainly not true because birds' sense of smell is just not great. They have okay. one. They have a sense of smell, but it's not, It's they don't really, it's not that sensitive and certainly a whiff of person on their chick is not going to make them abandon their chick. And in general, while there are a lot of species of animals that do use scent to detect their offspring, there is not, I I don't think generally they will reject their offspring just because they smell, 
they, they have like a human smell on them. Now, I'm not sure, like if you could completely replace their smell with something utterly foreign and have no remaining smell. So like, say you take a puppy and dogs are very smell-based and then you replaced its smell entirely with a completely foreign, strange smell like formaldehyde, which would be horrible. Don't do that. God, do not do that. Then maybe like that would not, like the the mother might, find that off and strange enough that they may abandon it. But generally speaking, they're not like just because there's like a little bit of a weird smell on it. They're not going to be like, oh, screw you, baby. You're you're done. You're fired. You're fired as my baby. But there are things that can happen like with baby deer fawns. Their mothers will sometimes leave them in a location and the fawns will like curl up in a little ball and just hide there while the mom goes off to forage and you shouldn't move a baby fawn like that, generally speaking, because the mom is going to come back. And I think like if you move it and you try to like take it in, then the mom might just assume it's it's gone and leave and not be reunited with it. So there's some mm-hmm. some truth to that. Like you shouldn't always interfere when you see a baby animal. You should definitely like if you see a baby animal, the best thing to do is sort of consult your local rehabilitation, wildlife rehabilitation center. They'll know what to do. It can be very difficult, very tricky to take care of a baby animal. But yeah, in general, animal parents invest so much in their offspring, they're not just going to abandon them at the drop of a hat. God, I really hope so, because it's such a devastating concept to think that you could be abandoned because of a scent, scent (laughs) of a woman. Wow. If you're too stinky, nobody, nobody will like you. That's horrible. No, look. You know, you can be stinky. It's fine. There's somebody out there who's going to like that stink, you know? I mean, people like weird stinky cheese, so they're going to like stinky people, right? That tracks. Anyways, I do want to mention before we move on that primates also engage in anting. So the tufted capuchin monkey does like to rub themselves down with ants just like birds do. But they put a little twist on it, and that twist is urine, of course. They will combine ants and urine in a to-die-for body scrub that I think Lush is selling right now. Just telling you, you know, go go to Lush. Don't do this because they're not actually sponsoring this. But the joke that I'm telling is go to Lush and enter Creature for a coupon off of the urine ants scrub, which is a joke. Don't actually, that's not a thing. I'm not being sponsored. So I go to Lush and I get this kind of creature scrub. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't take any advice. Mm, Okay. I know what you're saying. Hey, Lush, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you know, look, I'm sure a bunch of people just went to your website desperate for that ant monkey urine body scrub. So (laughs) some species of capuchin, such as the wedge-capped capuchin, use millipedes who secrete a toxic substance called benzoquinone, which is an insect repellent. So the millipedes are such a popular skincare treatment that these capuchins will actually share a single millipede. So they'll rub it over and then pass it on to another capuchin who will rub it all over their body. It's like if you've ever been to the club, you guys are like sharing body glitter. This is not I'm sorry, I don't do that. I'm just trying to imagine the life of 
someone cool. And I would imagine it would be going to the club and sharing body glitter. I've never done that. Is that a thing people do? Is that a thing cool people do? I mean, I feel like I knew people in college at the height of the Kesha era that were doing a lot of body glitter. Doing it. Yeah, I know. They're doing body, body glitter. glitter. It's everywhere. Doing body, doing hard, hard body glitter. But I was a good girl. and I just said no to body glitter because that's what I was taught in elementary school. So it's it's interesting because <laughs> just like body glitter, there can be a downside to these remedies that these monkeys use. So white-faced capuchins, so they will often use a combination of plants and mud that works as an insect repellent. But if they cover too many of their features with the mud, their friends won't recognize them and they will become unfriendly and aggressive. So... That is one of the dangers of body glitter. If you use too much, your your friends are not going to recognize you at the club. They're going to be blinded and they're going to attack you. And, you know, capuchins, it's the same thing. Cap Capuchins? Sorry, say it again. <laughs> Cap capuchins, capuchins. Capuchins. I, don't know. I say it both. Capuchins. Yeah. Capuchins. Okay. I don't know. It's making me think of cappuccino. Well, I don't know the etymology of cappuccino. Maybe it's the same, but they're the capuchins are based on the uh, capuchin monks because they monkeys kind of look like they've got a little 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 monk hairstyle. Yeah, I'm always uh, the excretion that <laughs> excretion. You know, I'm really into skincare and like I always see like yeah. really, really surreal. I don't know. I It's not even surreal. You're pretty desensitized to it because you never know what's real. They're just like putting words on a bottle to make you spend more yeah. money. Dimethicapolazizonacanthin. Yeah. But they'll be like, this is, this has like squalene in it. Or even like what you said about like the, what is it? The, uh. The what are they called? The snail. the snail, like yeah, like yeah, snail slime. This has this has prawn milk in it, and it exfoliates your ribosomes. Yeah, like squalene comes from like <laughs> it, I looked it up. It's it's originally obtained from shark liver oil. What? It's pretty surreal. Like the kind of things that come from animals yeah. that we can put on our face to look gorgeous. To look good. Yeah, it worries me sometimes on account of I don't like the exploitation of nature. I do imagine, though, like if you just rubbed your face on a live shark, it would be very exfoliating because sharks, shark skin is very sandpapery because of these microscopic structures called denticles, which are like these teeth-like structures on it. So the snake skin is very rough. Or sorry, the shark skin is very rough. So not, again... Legally speaking, not recommending you rub your face on a shark, but it would be very exfoliating. Although if the shark got mad and it actually bit you, that'd be like maybe too exfoliating. Oh, my insides would be exfoliated. Finally. I know, my organs, the ultimate exfoliation, my organs getting very exfoliated by these shark teeth. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. I guess I'm curious, what else are these animals excreting that I could put on my face? Well, maybe we'll find out after the break. Great transition. So, that was a great transition. <laughs> Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand. 
attempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. So, Anna, I did say I was going to tell you more about things you can smear on your face, but I lied to you. Because now we're going to talk about things you can eat and have go inside of your body and do magical things. Legally speaking, don't do any of this. All of you out there, I know, like, this stuff I'm going to talk about is very tempting, that you're going to go out uh, to where these animals live, find these plants, and then try to eat them. But don't. Don't do it. That's what the lawyer says. And you got to listen to the lawyer who says don't do it. (sighs) I don't know. I just feel like I should do it. That is your choice that I had no part in. So chimpanzees, pretty smart, right? But are they smart to make their own medicine? Yes, they are. Sorry, I kind of, I guess that's, I spoiled it. (laughs) But yes, they are. So chimpanzees create their own time release capsules. So I I know about chimpanzee intelligence. I mean, like I'm not, you know, Jane Goodall, but I'm quite aware of how smart they are. But this surprised me. This seems just insane, incredibly smart. So chimpanzees will carefully select the leaves of the Aspilia flower And instead of just eating them like normal, they will roll them around in their mouths until they form a pill and swallow them whole. So they will do this sometimes up to 30 times over a 10-minute period, which when researchers notice this, it's like, well, okay, this has to be something. There has to be some significance to this because they're wild about it. And it turns out that the leaves have an oil in it that works as an antibiotic and could help kill harmful gut bacteria. And 
the most interesting part about this is that they don't just eat the leaves whole. They don't just like chew up the leaves and eat them. Uh, the fact that they roll them into pills means that they don't get digested immediately. So they don't get all broken up inside their tummies. The leaves actually go through their gut partially undigested so that antibiotic oil is released in the digestive tract rather than all in the stomach. And this may help alleviate intestinal distress and cramping, which is, I, I mean, it's, it's bonkers. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, how does any, I don't like get science sometimes or like insect life. Like what is happening? I mean, these are, <laughs> I mean, these are chimpanzees. I do want to I clarify. Guess, yeah, I say I call them insects. Our primate. I, yeah, <laughs> I call them insects. Sorry, I don't know why I said insect. I just meant animals in general and said insects because that's where I my mean, brain is at. I do love insects, um, so you know. Uh, and we no. are going to talk about. We are going to talk about now. Uh, actually, some, question some since later. we're sorry, I w I don't know. I, I always think insects when I'm talking to you, but when okay because <laughs> these. <laughs> I'm going to take it as a compliment. <laughs> well, the chimpanzees, um, if we are not, or I mean, if we are not, I mean, like evolutionary, we come from. A little evolutionarily. Yeah, evolutionarily, we come from primates. Yeah. Is this something we lost along the way? <laughs> Sorry. The ability to make medicine? Yeah. Have you ever been to a doctor? I mean, Anna? I guess, I'm but I guess is my body like still continuing to do that? I don't know. Here's the thing, Katie. I don't know what's <laughs> going on in my body because I compartmentalize. <laughs> I can't. I don't have the time to think about these things. I mean, I mean, like the fact I mean, we didn't evolve from chimpanzees. They're a, a cousin, basically, of ours. We have right. a common ancestor. But the fact that chimpanzees seem to be able to create a medicine for themselves uh, does make it a little more understandable how we have been like as a, a species of uh, primate that has become even more. I mean, this is that like species, our red but, blood you know, cells in a way? Is like our, what red, our red blood cells? Like how our red blood cells will come and like cover a scab or something? <laughs> is that like creating medicine? I'm sorry, I'm so dumb. It's, <laughs> I mean, that is that is our body's healing on a microscopic level, and it oh. doesn't have much to do with our behavior. But uh, the it's the fact that these chimpanzees seem to. But probably they're consuming these leaves because and doing it in this specific way because they have learned over many years that this feels the best. So like they maybe they'll have some cramping or tummy upset and they have learned that when they swallow these like roll these leaves up into a ball and swallow them whole that it actually makes their tummies feel better, which is incredible. And it does make it a lot clearer how humans have been able to innovate so much in such a short period of time because we have humankind has only been around for uh you know like we we've we're basically a flash in the pan compared to a lot of other species who have been around many more millions of years than we have but yeah the fact that chimpanzees can come up with this method of being able to create these pills then it's like okay yeah chimpanzees are really smart so humans being able to create modern medicine, that kind of makes sense. And in fact, actually, humans 
uh, have used uh, the same leaves that these chimpanzees use, the aspilia leaves, uh, for a similar purpose in Central and Eastern Tropical Africa. It has been used for stomach aches, menstrual cramps, and malaria. And what's really interesting is that, like, humans obviously discovered the positive effects of this plant on menstrual cramps. And chimpanzees, it seems that females actually consume this plant more than males do. And chimpanzees, being uh, related primates, are one of the only other animals that uh, menstruate like humans do. Oh. Yeah. So they're like, got a cramp, better eat the leaves. Also, is this is kind of like holistic yeah. medicine, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I am a big proponent of of science and medicine, but there are a lot of medicines out there that come, you know, come from nature that are effective. It's just, I think like it's tricky because the world of holistic medicine often kind of preys upon yeah. someone not being kind of naive, right? So they'll try to sell you something that is essentially snake oil that right. doesn't work. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't things out there that, I, I mean, a lot of our medicine actually originated from the natural world. Like aspirin, I believe, originated from tree, like a tree bark kind of uh, chemical. So so there are wow. a lot of things Wait, in the natural world that that can work as medicine. Uh, and, and, you know, it, but it, it is too bad because I think that a lot of that has become watered down by s basically like if someone's trying to sell you something, like sell you like some kind of natural remedy and they don't have to prove to you that it works, then it, you know, it's just kind of a, it can be difficult to find things that are actually tested and actually do work. Do you think chimpanzees mm -hmm. are anti-vax is my question for you. You know, I'd like to say no, but those little rascals, I could also see them. I mean, like they like to throw their own poop. So yeah. I'm not going to say they don't necessarily go on Facebook. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. you're. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't even I guess it's hard to say with an animal or a primate to be like, are they anti-vax just because they eat leaves that heal their tummy aches? Yeah. I mean, is it fair on one hand to say that? I don't I don't know. I mean, again, like chimpanzees did not invent Facebook, so it seems a little unfair to pin this all on them. Uh, cuz like if they invented Facebook, it would probably be mostly more based on smelling each other's like butts and stuff like that. So, which would be an improvement, I think. <laughs> Sorry, I was just imagining a chimpanzee Facebook page. Uh, yeah, me too, all the time. If I came across a chimpanzee's profile on Facebook, mm -hmm. I don't think I would be that shocked. And I was also thinking, this is a slight tangent, but like, <laughs> and this is also maybe a dad joke, and so... I don't actually apologize. I'm not sorry for it, but I am going to say it. Uh, would Facebook for dogs be like butt book? Facebook for dogs. Yeah, because you're just sniffing butts. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's, you know, it'd be better. Anyways, so maybe like lest you think that medicine is something that only a smart animal like a chimp can figure out. 
even a dumb little caterpillar can engage in a bit of pharmacology. So this is really interesting because it is pointing towards the use of natural medicine as being something that doesn't require a lot of cognition, but could just evolve in an animal's uh, instincts, like something like a caterpillar. So uh, you may be aware, if you are a listener of the show, that caterpillars, those poor gooey little babies, often contend with some real nasty parasites. So you may know of things like parasitoid wasps who lay their eggs inside of caterpillars and then all of these larvae burst out of the poor larvae in the hundreds like some kind of pinata designed by Ridley Scott. It's horrifying. Caterpillars are very vulnerable to parasites. And so it is reasonable that natural selection would favor caterpillars who build defenses against parasites and woolly bear caterpillars who are found in the United States and Southern Canada. Their adult form is a tiger moth. Uh, well, these woolly bear caterpillars will eat toxic plants uh, when they have parasites, which seems to be the caterpillar's instinctive way to rid themselves of potentially deadly endoparasites, so parasites that are inside of them. So the tachinid fly will lay its eggs into the poor caterpillar's body, and this can be lethal as the fly larva will take over the caterpillar's uh, body. And researchers found that woolly bear caterpillars will eat plants that contain a toxic alkaloid more when they have a parasite. So when they eat this and they're not parasitized, it can actually be a bad thing. So like too much of this alkaloid plant uh, actually will hurt the caterpillar. But when they have a parasite, they will eat as much as they can without actually harming themselves because it is worth the potential harm that the alkaloid is having on the caterpillar to get rid of the parasite. It's sort of like how chemotherapy works in humans where it's not an ideal treatment for someone because it, it hurts your own body, but the cancer is bad enough that it is worth the cost uh, of using that, that chemotherapy. So the fact that caterpillars have this figured out, that they will eat this toxic plant to get rid of this parasite is really incredible. That is. I mean, how do they... Uh, I, like, never understand, like, how an animal insect being, and I guess not human being, can eat something toxic and survive. But it's... Yeah, chemicals are fascinating to me. I, I didn't do well in chemistry, so I don't fully understand <laughs> like or like why certain things are toxic for like pets like dogs, but not for us mm -hmm. humans, you know? Yeah, no, so that's really interesting. So something that is toxic, right? You can eat something that's toxic and it might not necessarily hurt you or it might kill you. Yeah. Technically, alcohol is uh, sort of somewhat toxic, uh, but yeah. we can have that in moderate amounts, responsible amounts, um, if you're an adult of legal drinking age. <laughs> so God, this is such a uh, but, like uh, rules following podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. 
uh, I do have a lawyer that's constantly whispering in my ear, like, you cannot tell them to eat their own poop. You cannot do that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of no's, a lot of no's coming from my lawyer. Um, But so that is a really interesting question. So like, why are things like toxic to some animals and not to others? Well, it can have to do with the, so basically like, uh, say something like uh, chocolate, is toxic for dogs, but not for humans, usually it comes down to the dogs having different structures in their cells where something from chocolate will maybe bind to a receptor or bind to something uh, on a, a dog's cell, but not a human's that will cause problems I for see. the dog, but not for a human. Yeah, it's it usually comes down to microbiology so like whether a molecule because like the way that like toxins will interact with the body which we're actually going to talk about in the next section is often down to this molecular level or well it's always down to this molecular level where it may bind to something or interfere with some microscopic process and when that is done on a large scale it really messes you up so like for instance you can have some soy sauce um and it's fine it's yeah. actually delicious uh but if you try to drink a whole bottle of soy sauce you can die really because that's a, yes because that's way too much salt mm. and the salt ca- that amount of salt can interfere with the ion channels in your brain and something else can actually interfere with the ion channels in your brain and uh we're actually going to talk about that after the break A whole bottle of soy sauce. Incredible. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. 
Well, have you been bitten by a funnel web spider? Um, I don't think so. You would probably know. You'd probably know. Yeah, no, I don't think so. So, (laughs) so I want to talk about a few things. The ion channels in the brain, which don't worry, sounds sounds scary to talk about, but it it'll all be clear soon. It all has to do with soy sauce. It actually doesn't have too much. It's marginally related to soy sauce. Basically, sometimes humans have to learn from animal biology to develop our own medicine, and sometimes from the most surprising sources. So when we think of something like spider venom, it seems like absolutely bad news and something that should be avoided at all costs. Turning spider venom into medicine, especially the venom of deadly spiders, such as that of the funnel web spider, seems kind of irresponsible. But it's actually sponsible. Sponsible. Is, wait, no, no, sorry. Responsible. <laughs> no, no, I, I like responsible. Responsible. Is that like in the middle of irresponsible and responsible? Is like, well, I guess that's responsible. You know, it's not like responsible, but it's not irresponsible. You know, eating a cookie. It's not irresponsible, but it's not responsible. So it's just responsible. 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 Anyways, so venoms, the very thing that makes funnel web spider venom deadly may actually save lives. So venoms often work by interfering with the functioning of cells, including brain cells, by messing with ion channels. So this is something that I we were just talking about with like why you shouldn't chug soy sauce and the way that things can be toxic is that uh, one of the ways is it will mess with ion channels in cells. So Ion channels are structures along the membranes of cells that allow for the flow of sodium ions in and out of the cell. So it's just basically like a gatekeeper. It's like, hey, your sodium ion, maybe you'll come in, maybe you can go out. But that gate is, uh, that channel is determining whether you go in and out of the cell. And in the brain, sodium ion channels can control the activation of neurons. So you will have, it's basically, I mean, it's just basically dominoes Mm -hmm. effect where you will have a dominoes effect of uh, sodium ion channels that will end up triggering the, the neuron to fire. So have you ever seen like on YouTube or wherever one of these things where people will set up a bunch of dominoes and then sort of these like, like a Rube Goldberg machine where like it hits a domino and then that hits a marble and that goes down a ramp and that hits a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's essentially how, I mean, they're mesmerizing and that's essentially how cells work. Uh, It's, I mean, like when you look at these diagrams of like how cells work, it can be very intimidating, but essentially it's just a marble hitting a ramp, hitting another thing, but these are molecules interacting. So, When you are bitten by something that has a venom that interferes with ion channel functioning, this can be very bad because it can interfere with your brain functioning or cell functioning, which can be bad for the body or even deadly. But, and this is a huge but, being able to manipulate ion channel functioning could actually have a positive use for human health, especially in the case of stroke. So... 
you know how I was talking about how like the ion channel, you know, it's like it lets sodium ions in and out of the cell. There are certain ion channels that will actually detect the uh, acidity in the brain, the, the pH level in the brain. And so being able to manipulate uh, self-functioning can be really useful in medicine right? because sometimes something traumatic will happen to the body that your cells aren't really prepared for. So like the normal functioning of the cell suddenly becomes a danger to your body. So this is something that can happen during stroke or traumatic brain injury where your brain is suddenly like has a massive brain bleed uh, and your cells will respond in a way that may actually cause more damage. And they don't realize that they're just functioning how a cell is supposed to function, but they do not, they, they have no capacity to realize like, oh, hey, this is a stroke situation and we shouldn't be acting this way. And so using spider venom that interferes with the functioning of brain cells, normally a bad thing. I'm not saying you should let yourself get bitten in the face by a funnel web spider. Don't do that. Uh, so, I mean, if you live in Australia, you probably already know that. This is where these guys are from. Seems like, yeah, it's like a good bet anytime uh, there's like a deadly spider or something. It's Australia. I think I'm just going to put that out there. But uh, so Australia. they are, yeah, Australia, I love you guys. I really do. You have some of the most amazing animals, but I, it is it, like, and I love spiders, but God damn, Australia, your spiders are something else. I have some cousins in Australia that we're supposed to go visit. My dad always goes, you want me to go to Australia where the animals will kill you in the streets? <laughs> And I'm like, well, I don't think it's that. Like, I'm, I'm what? <laughs> but my dad always says that, and I'm always like, I don't know what you think Australia is like, but he might have a yeah. point. The animals will just I kill mean, you in the streets. I don't think that generally happens. Now, funnel web spiders do live in Australia. There are they are burrowing spiders. Uh, they are kind of meaty spiders. They're not the hugest spiders I've ever seen. They're, you know, they kind of like maybe fit in your palm, but they're kind of meaty. You know what I mean? Like they're bulky and they can be deadly to humans. They have venom that have the capacity to, capacity to kill a human. However, we have uh, antivenom and treatments that make them not fatal. So it's typically speaking, people do not die from funnel web spider bites, which is good. And so your dad can go to Australia, you know? Yeah, let's clip this and send it to him. Because <laughs> he's weird about Australia. Yeah. And these spiders actually may have a wonderful use for medicine, in addition to just being cool spiders. I think spiders are great just because they're a little scary. It doesn't mean we should hate them and try to burn them all down. They're, they're, they're cool guys. They're just living their lives. We should let them, let them, let them live their little spider lives uh, happily. But they do, their venom could offer us some really interesting breakthroughs in medicine. So there is a specific chemical found in the funnel web spider that could potentially help treat stroke. So this molecule is called HI1A, which kind of when I look at it, looks like Haya. 
So I'm just going to call hey it yeah. the Haya molecule. Like Haya. Howdy. The Howdy molecule. Uh, it is a molecule found in the spider's venom. And it may actually help shield neurons from damage after blood loss during a stroke or traumatic oh. brain injury. And so I will explain how this happens now. I am not necessarily a molecular biologist. Well, no, I'm going to say I'm definitely not a molecular biologist. I think I would know. And I'm not. But I will try to explain this. It is basically there are ion channels in neurons, the, the cells in your brain that help you think good. Um, and these ion channels that are in your neurons uh, can detect, they're, they're called acid-sensing ion channels. Basically, the way these, these channels are controlled is whether they sense a drop in uh, pH of acidity levels uh, in the surrounding area. So when these acid-sensing ion channels, like imagine a little, it's like these, a little gate and a little guard at the gate. And it's going like, hey, what the heck? The acid level has just dropped. The pH level has just dropped in the brain. Uh, that's weird. And so they uh, allow an influx of calcium into the neuron to Ooh. try to make up for the drop in pH. And under normal circumstances, this would actually be protective for the neurons. But because these little these little ion channels are not aware, they don't have an awareness that uh, this is actually a stroke situation. Yeah. Um, this is actually very damaging. So by increase, like by allowing this huge influx of calcium into the neuron, this uh, becomes deadly. It's not. Uh, it, it is called acidosis, which is a deadly increase of acid in the cell, which can cause cell death. And so because the neurons are what make up your brain, uh, death of the neurons is, is brain death. And so this can be really dangerous when you're ha in the case of a stroke or brain damage. So if you could somehow tell those, those uh, acid-sensing ion gates or to like stop, like don't worry about it, just chill right now, or, or block them, that could be really useful. So uh, back to the Dr. Spider, Dr. Spider Venom, uh, that molecule in her venom that normally would be kind of bad because it interferes with these ion channels in the cell, in this situation could be life-saving because then you can put that molecule in the brain and that blocks those acid-sensing ion channels and it prevents them from increasing the acidity of the neurons, and that will protect them from damage following a stroke. And so this is a relatively new uh, medical technology, but already in mouse models and studies, this is showing some efficacy uh, in protecting neurons post-stroke, which is, I mean, it is phenomenal that yeah. you can get from deadly spider venom to potentially protecting our neurons from themselves that's post-stroke or traumatic brain injury yeah it's you know i mean again like we were talking earlier about uh you know how chimpanzees somehow figured out that rolling up leaves in their mouths and swallowing them whole can alleviate cramps it seems amazing and ingenious well 
I mean, the fact that they are our cousins, it's like, well, okay, now I kind of understand how we can get to this place as humans of discovering, hey, we can take this venom that in normal circumstances, you don't want anywhere near your brain, but actually in this circumstance is really good for uh, protecting your neurons. It's it's incredible. That is. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. That's like, we need more of that because I feel like, uh, I mean, how close are we then to <laughs> using any animal and or insect and or any other whatever to curing cancer? The difficulty with cancers, there's so many different types of cancers, but I think there are a lot of, um, there are, are, I mean, I don't want to put it in the sense of like, I don't think the only use to the natural world is things like finding medical cures, but if you cannot, if you can't convince someone that we should protect nature just because nature is awesome and it deserves to survive, certainly there are a lot of really interesting things, biological processes out in nature that would be really hard to figure out on our own mm-hmm. just because there are so many different like molecular shape and like what I was kind of describing earlier where treating cancer or uh, even something like an antiviral, like a vaccine can really just come down to, we got to fit this weird shape into this weird shape. Mm -hmm. And there are so many weird shapes out there, right? There's so many different molecules. Finding these molecules or coming up with these molecules is really difficult. And so whenever we lose a species, even if it's just some random insect, right? Uh, Which you should care about because insects are great. And most of you probably do, but I'm sure there are people out there who don't care, uh, you know, but they may have some really just like really interesting aspect to them that could have some phenomenal importance to human medicine. So there's definitely yeah. a selfish reason to care about animals. Yeah. Um, but also they're just rad. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. They're just rad. Animals. They're just They're rad. just rad. Yeah, with sunglasses and doing a sick kickflip on a skateboard. Yeah. And that's the logo of the show. While doing heavy lifting and yeah. curing. That's what I... Uh, <laughs> illness. And what? I said doing heavy lifting and curing illness, but whatever. Yeah. No, it's like a spider, do- a doctor spider who is a doctor, a handsome doctor spider on a skateboard with a bunch of, like, doing some heavy lifting weights and curing stroke and cancer. Like, would you marry, would you marry Dr. Spider? I mean, uh, yes. Yeah, me too. I mean, and I think it's okay, right? Because he's got so many legs. There's a lot of room for rings on those legs, right? Am I right, ladies? Yeah. No, you're right. All right. And I speak yeah, no, for I... all the ladies. <laughs> we would, at least eight of us could marry Dr. Spider. Yeah. So that's good. Because uh, as you as you know, the number of marriage is just the um, number of legs that you have is the number of spouses you can have, I think. Right? Legally speaking. Eight? Are you? What? Eight. Eight. For a spider. Because it's the number of legs you can put a ring on. 
And I'm talking about the law, right? Yeah, I guess so. Hey. Does that make sense? No, I'm I'm following. Yeah. I'm following. Okay. So Dr. Spider is eligible. Eligible bachelor spider. <laughs> so Anna, you got you got any more questions about using spider venom to to help in medicine other than like I would say don't just uh, piss off a bunch of spiders and inject their venom into you because that's probably bad. I mean, if you say so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know I've had a lot of questions. I guess I don't know. Like, how prominent is the uh, like research for all this? Like, how like while you say like you know because like curing cancer is a lot more difficult than just being able to like pull a excretion out of an animal and do a bunch of science to it and make it happen but like how like do you is it really like are are people really working on this kind of stuff like studying this kind of stuff or is it more of like it's happening but it's not as prominent as it could be i think it is i mean this gets into a whole tricky territory right because i think there is a lot of research going on uh, with respect to studying these kinds of cures. Obviously, because it's like profit driven, maybe mm-hmm. there are studies that could be happening that aren't if like the the disease is maybe too rare or there it's hard to see like maybe a potential profitability to it. So it may be stimmied somewhat by those factors, but certainly there is a lot of research that involves using the the things that we find in nature or even using like, you know, if we can, if we find animals using things like things for medicine in nature, it is, it's so much, it's such a shortcut rather than looking for random random molecules out there if we can find some kind of patterns in nature it really does uh it can really help with research but that being said i think obviously there is it's like there could be so much more interesting research done that maybe uh people who would like offer the grant for the research or something may not want to invest in as much because it doesn't seem as profitable or as like flashy or something so yeah it is it's a it's a complicated issue which and i would say like i think the the desire of researchers to research pro, uh, these really interesting ideas and potential things for medicine may outpace like the rate at which they are funded to do so right god that's unfortunate yeah yeah now i know don't chug soy sauce <laughs> Just that I don't know why that really hit somewhere because I love soy sauce, just love to douse good. my like sushi, you know, just like I love it. And now you have me like questioning everything I've ever like. I'm like, wait. Well, in the same, I mean, calm soy down. sauce is soy sauce is not specifically bad. I mean, it's specifically very good, very delicious. Uh, but it's like it's the same thing with like salt water. You know, it's just very, it's very salty. And so remember when I was talking about those sodium ion channels, like if you have too much sodium, 
and your cells are trying to reach homeostasis, which is like basically having the salinity outside the cell equal that inside the cell. Uh, if you throw that out of whack with uh, too much sodium, then that can cause a cell, uh, essentially cell kind of exploding. So that's Jeez. bad. Or imploding, which is also bad. Jeez, so too- all from that. But in actually. Yeah, and actually, you can have too much water. So this is right. Very I have heard don't about stop. this. Yes, don't stop drinking water. It's very good for you. You would have, in order to overdose on water, you would have to make a concerted effort to do this. It's yeah, very difficult to do. So if you're thirsty and you drink water, and you're like, "Oh no, what if I'm having too much water?" It's not going to happen. Do not worry about this. Keep hydrating, folks. It's good for you. Can I tell you but- a story? And my kind of yes. hometown high school growing up, there was a radio station which was having a contest of who could drink the most water, and one of the people oh died. What? Yeah. Oh, God. It made the news because they oh were like, God. she drank so much water, she literally passed on. It was like someone's mom. Like, it, it was really tragic. Jeez. Oh, and that's when I first oh, learned you can't be doing that. Like, there is a limit you to how can't. much water you can intake. I mean, the main thing is just don't listen to what shock jocks tell yeah. you what to do because it's radio. not going to be good. That's so that's so sad. That's messed up. I hope mm-hmm. that they got sued. That's I think they yeah, I'm sure. Should have. Uh, yeah, no, that. So you don't want to like you would have to drink so much water. It would you will start to feel sick uh, from the amount of water that you're eating. It is, an ins- it is an incredible amount of water you have to drink for this to happen. But just like you can have too much sodium in your bloodstream, you can have too little sodium in your bloodstream. And it, like what I'm describing in terms of like cell homeostasis, cells try to equalize the amount of sodium, uh, the, the concentration of sodium inside the cell and outside the cell. So If uh, you have no sodium outside of the cell, right, you're drinking way too much water, then all of the sodium is released from out of the cell, which is also bad, which also destroys the cell, or vice versa. If you have too much sodium uh, in the bloodstream, the cell actually releases too much of the water, and then that also destroys the cell, which is actually, so this is maybe a slight tangent but hey it's an animals podcast this is actually a problem that fish um who will fish like salmon who Mm -hmm. migrate from the ocean to fresh water to spawn have to contend with because fish can't necessarily just switch from a high salt concentration water to fresh water uh because like if you take like a if you've ever had a fish tank, right? If you've ever owned an aquarium, you know it's very important that if you have uh, freshwater fish, they only get freshwater or saltwater fish. They need a specific concentration of saltwater. Salmon uh, have some safeguards, these very specific safeguards to prevent their cells from imploding and exploding when they move between uh, the saltwater environments and the freshwater environment, which is really interesting. So uh, that is why uh, you shouldn't chug soy sauce or salt water or chug a lot, like sickening, ridiculous amounts of water. But again, you're not going to do that unless you're intentionally trying and that would be bad for you. So don't do it. Yeah. I mean, I I don't even 
I don't even know how you could chug salt water. I mean, I've had salt water is devastatingly tough. Um, It's bad. My mom has me like. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying my mom has me gargle salt water when I'm like sick, but I could never chug it. No, you'll get sick. You'll probably throw up. It's not good for you. Don't do it. (laughs) No, no, thanks. And don't drink and don't drink a seawater. Because that will make you sick. Um, but hey, actually, we just talked about this on the last podcast, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, that camels can can drink uh, salt water and they're fine. Camels? So, yeah. Because hmm. uh, And we're not exactly sure. Researchers don't exactly know how they manage this. But yeah, wild uh, Bactrian camels can drink salt water that is saltier than seawater and they're okay so that is very interesting so maybe if you're a camel you can drink soy sauce i'm gonna say wow but if you're not a camel don't try it you think a camel will just be fine if it just chugged a ton of soy sauce guess it depends on what you mean by a ton of soy sauce (laughs) i don't know what do you mean by it I don't know. I don't know what a ton of soy sauce is. I know it requires a light hand when you're, you know, doing stir fry. Otherwise, it's too salty. But, you know. Right. I would say that which is probably deadly to humans is probably not deadly to a wild Bactrian camel, if that's what you're asking. I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. (laughs) I like, what is, okay, how, okay. What am I going to ask? How much? Are you trying to figure out how much soy sauce you need to kill a camel? Because I'm not going to tell you. Yes. (laughs) I'm just curious now at this point because you know how a camel can hold all this liquid to survive in, you Mm. know, hot desert climates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're right. We should move on. (laughs) (laughs) I am not. I'm not instructing people how to kill camels with soy sauce. That I have a strong moral line there that I will not cross. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So <laughs> before we go, we got to, would you like to play a little game with me? Always. It's called the mystery animal sound game. Every week I play a mystery animal sound and you, the listener, and also you, the guest, uh, try to figure out get who is who's squawking, who's making that sound, and it can be any animal. It can be a fish, it can be a bird, it can be I don't know, a frog. Even any animal can make these sounds. And so the hint I gave last week was don't jump to conclusions with this sound. And here it is. <coughs> So, Anna, can you guess who's making that sound? Hmm. I'm going to guess either. Can I have two guesses? Sure. I'm Um, generous. I'm between a hippo and a turtle. I like those guesses because, you know what, they do sound, it does sound like a hippo or a turtle, uh, especially uh, when turtles are mating. They make very strange uh, sounds. Oh, yeah. I saw a video recently of a turtle 
mating and it was making some funny it was like a friend sent it to me after they described it to me and it was like and it like came it was like when it like ejaculated it was like sounds like it sounds like an old man out of breath which i guess in a way it is but you are wrong about this specific sound. Uh, this is actually the sound of a kangaroo. What? They can be, yes, they can be very vocal and make these grunting, barking sounds uh, to communicate. Uh, yeah, so that is actually a kangaroo. Did not know that. Found in Aust- found in Australia as they well. They you know they'll kill spider. you in the streets. <laughs> So you know, they be are pugnacious. Yeah, they are pugnacious, and yeah, they will uh, sometimes stand in water uh, because it is a defensive tactic to like try to shove you around in the water. And uh, yeah, so yeah, don't mess with kangaroos. Uh, yeah, that's so, tough. That's tough for yeah. me because I want to so bad. <laughs> I'm just joking. You want That's to funny. mess with kangaroos? No, no. I'm I just, calling my. I like to think of my dad just my thinking squad. he's gonna get off the plane in Australia, <laughs> Australia, and the a kangaroo's Australia. just gonna punch him in the face the second he's off the plane <laughs> while grunting and screaming. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if you want your dad to go to Australia, uh, you should only let him listen to certain sections of this episode. Just the part where we talk about the spider curing strokes and nothing else, maybe. Yeah. I mean. I, I won't. Yeah. If it does happen, though, it would your... be so funny. <laughs> he it literally, he spends his whole life being like, they'll kill you in the streets. And then he just gets punched by a kangaroo. Yeah. There is a video of someone uh, doing a parachute uh, and lands on the ground. This is in Australia. And a kangaroo comes up at him with him. And the parachuter is like, oh, hey there, Skip. And then the kangaroo just punches him. It's really funny. There you go. Yeah. I I love it, honestly. Uh, good Good for the kangaroo. Nothing against parachuters. But, you know, if you saw someone parachute down... Look, I don't know. Yeah. I'm saying the kangaroo may have been justified. I'm not saying that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. On to this week's mystery animal sound. Here is the hint. Could this be the call of a unicorn? <laughs> So, Anna, got any guesses on who is making that sound? It sounds like a demonic clown. Or not clown, cow. <laughs> demonic cow. <laughs> demonic ca- clown. Um, it is actually a demonic clown. Uh, so you won the game. Well, what is it real? I, I don't know what I was just... No, it's not a demonic clown or a demonic cow. Um, but the answer, I'm sorry to say, uh, you'll have to wait until next week. Until next Wednesday, when I will reveal the answer to who was squawking. Is it a demonic clown? Uh, Maybe. Uh, But if you think you know out there, write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. 
And I'm also, you know, around the internet, like uh, on Instagram, Creature Feature Pod, or on Twitter at Creature Feet Pod. That's F E A T, not F E E T. That is something diff- very different. And uh, thank you so much for joining me. Where can the people find you? What are you, what are you up to? Uh, you can check out my podcast, Ethnically Ambiguous, or or and or you can follow me at Anna Hosnie A N N A H O S S N I E H on Twitter, where I post about all the shows I produce and other fun fun stuff. Please do that, and thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you're enjoying the show and you want to leave me a rating or review, I really appreciate that. Not only do I appreciate it, I read all of them, literally all of them. And so if you write a review, I will read it and it'll make me feel good, you know? So I appreciate that. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? I don't know. I, I, I honestly, you can listen to this in any way that you want and I am not I'm not going to judge you so yeah uh, and again don't chug soy sauce don't let spiders bite you on the face and I'll see you next Wednesday bye bye do you dream of a healthier life but education feels out of reach Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.